Hello, my name is Ashley Balin, and welcome to Baby Puppy, the parenting podcast for anyone raising a human or fur baby. Now, before I start getting angry emails from people in the dog community or parenting community about how different raising a dog is from a child, trust me, I know, I know, I'm not saying they're the same at all. But as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant and a mother, there are a startling number of similarities. I've applied strategies from my dog training education and experience to parenting with great success and vice versa. From the early days with an infant or puppy, dealing with teething, crate or crib training, socialization and language acquisition, to nutrition, anxiety, coping mechanisms, independence, confidence building and more, it's impossible to deny a crossover. On each episode of this podcast, we'll explore a different topic and speak with a parenting expert to gain insight, strategies, and advice while comparing them to my experience working with dogs. Join me on this journey to raise confident, empathetic, respectful, happy, and healthy dogs and humans. On this week's episode, I'm joined by the incredible Angela Grant Buchner. For those unfamiliar with Angela, she is an international board-certified lactation consultant, registered nurse, birth doula, and educator. She's the owner and founder of Nutmeg Consulting, Nutmeg Moms Toronto, and Birth Babies and Breastfeeding Virtual Academy. I loved this conversation. Many of my clients refer to me as a doggy doula because I offer training and support for dogs and families welcoming children for the first time. So Angela and I discuss the importance of being prepared and having a support system and strategies for navigating busy dog and child or multi-child housewives. Enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. I know that this week has been a little crazy because it's the first week of school for everybody. Yeah. How, how are you handling the transition so far? Yeah, so it's it's a strange one because I know uh, it's not the first week for many people, actually. Um, yeah. My son is six and he actually is going to a little tiny outdoor school. Um, but my other two are older and they're actually doing virtual. So they have not started yet. They won't. Oh, okay. It's been delayed again. So next next week it starts. <laughs> so, so even the virtual school has been delayed. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think just because, um, you know, there's so many people doing it and they had to organize it and it just, that takes time as yeah, no, you and I know how long it takes to do small things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Are you, are you in the Toronto board? Yeah. TDSB. Okay. And it's, it's wonderful that your son's in an outdoor school. I was considering outdoor school for, for my son too, but it, there are very limited options. Yeah. I mean, I feel really lucky. He is six and he needs to move and run. And I actually had considered it uh, before this whole thing happened, just because he's, I don't know, he's a different learner than my girls were. Um, so I had vaguely kind of considered that kind of thing. Maybe would that be a better fit for him? But then I guess um, this isn't usually an outdoor school, but they're a very tiny school. There's only 25 kids in the whole school. Um, so they were able to kind of make it happen. So we're really lucky that that's an option near us. So, Yeah, the first season of this show, I actually spoke to a principal of one of the only outdoor schools in Toronto. Oh, cool. And it really sounds like a fantastic option if it's something that you're able to choose for your family. Mm -hmm. I, w I would love to be able to do it. Yeah, I always say I never because my husband actually owns his own company and so do I. So we 
we never actually paid for daycare. So this is actually similar to the, that cost. So I said, well, I guess now this is the time when I'm going to use that money that I saved over those years <laughs> not paying for daycare. So, it is, but it's, it's, a, it's hard. Yeah, if, if, if you're going to do it and make the investment during a pandemic is probably the right, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Okay. So let's, uh, let's just start at the beginning. Why don't you introduce yourself? What is your name and what do you do professionally? So my name is Angela Grant Buchner, and I am, I guess, originally, I am a registered nurse. Um, actually, no, even before that, before I became a registered nurse, I became a doula. Um, and some people don't know what the heck that is. So a doula is like a professional support person for someone who's uh, pregnant or in labor and birth. And we actually usually attend births. So I did that 21 ago I think now um this is my 20th anniversary of being a registered nurse so that was a year after congratulations crazy uh, I feel very old and then I am also a, an international board certified lactation consultant so um, a lactation consultant I became about 10 years ago so I do all kinds of things with birth babies breastfeeding that is that is my tagline now I have a business and that is my tagline birth babies breastfeeding <laughs> So, yeah, and I'm a mom of three. I think that's a job, too. Yeah, you think that's a job. I, I think that should be considered a job, too, and I should yeah, be considered a job. I think that job. is the, the hardest job yeah. that exists. We should be paid, but that is, I guess, the non-paying job that I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like very demanding volunteer work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how old are your three kids? Uh, so my kids are, my oldest is, um, so it's the half birthdays this month. All my kids are born in March. So in September, my kids try to get cake by saying it's our half birthdays. <laughs> so we are currently, uh, my oldest is 15 and a half. Um, my middle one is 12 and a half. And my youngest is six and a half. So I took so that. Yeah, so that's birthday. a pretty big gap between your kids, huh? Yeah. It was actually, uh, this is one of my favorite questions that people feel comfortable asking is, was that an accident? <laughs> <laughs> I love how people feel comfortable asking people about Yeah, that. I didn't ask that question. Not, yeah. No, but some people just, they don't even hide it. Like, oh, was that a mistake? And he was actually completely on purpose. So I actually think having a gap like that between children is wonderful because the younger ones end up learning so much from the older kids and the older kids learn empathy and, and various other compassion skills by having to care for a younger child. I Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think it is, there are, just like every age, I think there are pros and cons. Um, my, my older kids like to remind me that they'll be, you know, in university and he'll still be in grade four or whatever. (laughs) So that makes me feel worried, but I, I really agree that they got to learn a lot and, and he sees, you know, he does so much more than a first child ever did. (laughs) And when your two older ones go off to university, you still get to have a child with you for several more years. So you won't be an empty nester that soon. I get to start the Marvel movies all over again. Exactly. (laughs) So so I guess my my inappropriate question is going to be, what is 40 weeks prior to March? Yeah, (laughs) actually, that's what people say. Yeah, uh, nothing really. I actually see, and again, I always talk about um, in birth and stuff, everyone has a thing. Uh, you know, some people I um, vomit all through my pregnancies. That's my thing. I had great births. I had, you know, I I had a very easy time getting pregnant. And I always say, I know that is not the case for many people. And I feel very lucky for that. But 
I actually just thought I don't want a January baby. I don't want to, I want it to be kind of like spring. So let's do this now. <laughs> and luckily so you were able to plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I thought, well, I liked it last time. Let's try again. It probably won't happen. Oh, it did. <laughs> That's so unbelievable. I went with it six years later and thought, well, I'm way older now. This won't work. Oh, okay. So we really need to <laughs> just thank someone for how lucky it's been. But yeah, no, I actually did that on purpose. Shocking. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. But then I vomited for 32 weeks each time, so don't feel too jealous or anything. <laughs> but I yeah. am grateful for that ability. <laughs> and just because it's pertinent to, to this podcast, do yeah. you have any dogs? Dogs? No. Yeah. I am allergic to dogs. Oh, no. I know. It's been I had a dog till I was two, Pebbles, but apparently I was not breathing well, so they had to give the dog away. Oh no. So you, so you've been allergic your whole life. Yep. I'm allergic to yeah. things in the world. Yeah. I'm one of those. Are you, do you have a lot of allergies? Yeah. Lots of food allergies. Um, and then every animal pretty much. I had hamsters actually. I was okay with hamsters and fish. Yeah. Yeah. Fish are, fish are always <laughs> safe. Turtles. Yeah. Turtles. <laughs> we have a fish. We do have one pet named Bob. Actually, it was the school fish when the schools had to close down. I, I volunteer a lot at the school, at my kid's school. So uh, they asked if we would please take Bob home and we had a tank with with intentions to get my daughter a fish. So there there came along a free fish. Yeah. But it seems that Bob yeah. will probably be home permanently. Yeah, they said we might just keep Bob. So we, yeah. Or we can handle it. We'll do it. <laughs> so the, I thought this would be a really interesting conversation because many of my prenatal clients refer to me as a doggy doula. <laughs> And, you know, I have this, I have this pups and tots program that is dedicated to helping expectant parents that prepare their dogs for their baby's arrival. And I also offer postpartum in-home training to ensure there's a smooth transition with the dog and the baby. So, you know, before we start comparing our roles, because obviously they're very different. I do not. um, (laughs) Would you be able to just go a little more in detail about what the role of a doula is? I understand that there's a few misconceptions about, you know, the differences between a doula and a midwife. And there's there's also different kinds of doulas. Is that that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So So what are are the doula Cole's notes? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that gets really confusing because people know I'm a nurse too so then they think I must be a midwife or you know wait you're a doula don't you do birth something it's all very confusing but I would say that's the number one question that we get I do you know I used to do baby shows and go to these uh, things and people would say wait what's the difference between a doula and a midwife so a midwife is someone who catches the baby does the medical care so just like a doctor would um, you can choose either in Ontario at least or Canada you can choose um, a doctor to be your medical provider during pregnancy and labor and birth, or you can choose a midwife. And so midwives generally just do, um, you know, not high risk situations. Midwives do deliver babies in hospitals all the time. And they also are the only choice for if you wanted to have a home birth or the birth center that we have a lovely birth center in Toronto. So midwife is the actual medical provider. Uh, a doula is like a professional, almost like a lay support person it's very you know traditionally obviously for I will say forever (laughs) forever as people have been born 
um, there were always women around the person giving birth and they supported them and they would, you know, wipe their brow and they would give them water and they would hold their hand. And it was a very, you know, women focused thing. Um, and so that developed. And then over time, obviously there was always the person who knew the, who had been to the most births or done the most births or whatever, and they would be called to help whoever was in labor and giving birth. So now it's kind of evolved into this more professional role, which is an actual job where you are hired. It is a private service in, in Toronto or Canada. Um, I think most places still where you pay the person to be your person, to be your labor support person. So birth doulas definitely are kind of the original, I would say, which is, you know, I am on call. I have my phone next to me just in case because I'm always on call. Um, and you can call me in the middle of the night and say, I think I'm in labor. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I need to talk. Uh, or when you're actually in labor, the doula comes with you. So, you know, during pregnancy, you're developing a relationship. You can have prenatal classes with them or sessions where you talk about what to expect and what things you kind of, I don't know, visualize for your birth, what you wish you could have. Um, and then during birth, they're there with you uh, and they come come to wherever you're birthing. And then the other kind, I guess, of doulas that even in the last, I'd say, five, six years has been really much more popular. And I didn't really even know it was a thing before that. Um, it's called postpartum doulas, where they support you after the baby's born, either in the hospital or at your home. And we have, I have a team of doulas. And I mean, they would be sometimes eight months with a, with a family where they would go a couple nights a week or a couple days a week or in the first month, it might be every single night where again, they're providing that support to help you during the transition of becoming parents and teaching you things and holding that baby so you could nap or whatever it is. So yeah, those are the kind of two main, main. And is that the postpartum doula, is that different than a night nurse? Yeah. So that's a big question we get often as well. Um, it's funny because I guess night nurses, you know, I don't know. What I've always seen is a lot of times it's kind of older retired nurses who just think, you know, hey, I'd like to do this. And they go right. have babies all night. Um, I see a little bit of a difference in that the postpartum doula is there for the whole family. They're not there just to take the baby to another room and say, like, go to bed. I'm going to bottle feed your baby all night, um, which unfortunately tends to be what I'm experiencing from clients who call me and say, Oh, I hired a night nurse. I did not realize this is what it was. Uh, I, this is not what I want. Can I talk about postpartum doula care? So postpartum doulas tend to be, I guess in my experience, obviously my team, um, we'll do whatever we'll hold the baby. We'll bring the baby to the, to the parent, to the nurse, if that's what they're doing, or we'll, you know, sneak up and get the pumped milk in the middle of the night and, and feed the baby a bottle if that's what they're wanting. Um, but they're also there to teach and support. You know, it might be, let me help you make padsicles because your crotch hurts, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever needs to happen. And they're teaching and they're coaching and they're, it's really supporting the family. Sometimes it's, you know, mom goes to sleep and if uh, the partner wants to learn how to do a bath. They might teach them that on a night shift or they also do daytimes, which is very different as a postpartum doula. A lot of people need that support during the day just to have someone there. You know, a lot of us don't have extended families who can move in for months at a time. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it, yeah. No, it sounds it sounds like you know an, an incredible service that I I wish I had known about when I, I uh, you know like you know as you were just mentioning when you welcome a child into your life especially if it's your first child everything changes yeah. and you know there's so much anxiety and nervousness and you don't know you know even the simple things as you were just mentioning like bathing or sleeping or you know breastfeeding or formula feeding like those things don't come naturally to most people no so yeah. it's it's great to have someone that has like a you know a lot of experience and like a soothing calming energy in your house to walk you through all of those steps you know it's it's very you know, when I work with dogs, obviously, I know absolutely nothing about children besides my own. But, you know, many dog owners have the same, that same extra level of nervousness that their dog won't accept the baby or right. that they'll be jealous or that well, that's their first baby. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, some of them feel guilty that they'll be spending less time with their dog or that they're giving their dog less attention or they're scared their relationship will suffer or that there will be a destruction or aggression or, you know, various things that that arise. So, you know, it's, it's actually many of the same concerns that people welcoming a second child have when they had an only child previously that, you know, they're concerned that, you know, their, the relationship they have with their existing child will change when it, when a new, when a new one's brought home. Yeah. It almost feels like, will I have enough love? And people, of course you will, but it's scary. Cause I always say when, when people kind of have their second child and, and maybe it is similar with, with if, if your if your first child is a dog, yeah. um, you know, I say it's like your brain feels like it's split in two because you have guilt on this side you have to take care of this baby over here, but this, you know, two-year-old wants attention and you just feel ripped in half for a while. And it takes the time to, you know, realize, okay, I can, this can work. I just have to give myself a little leeway to not feel like horrible when I have to do, you know, something for one of them and not for the other. It, it's hard. Yeah. And, you know, I, in the work that that I do, and again, obviously having you know a child or multiple children is different than having a dog, but you know in the, in the work that I do, I I start working with the family kind of several months in advance of the baby being born, yeah. so that we can go through that emotional journey, but also set up you know practical boundaries and safe spaces and tackle routines and schedules and positive exposure to children and all of those things so that you know when the baby does arrive it's been rehearsed and practiced and you know you've become accustomed to it so you can just deal with the anxiety yeah, of the baby you don't have to worry about the dog at all yeah exactly and sometimes we'll do that with uh, older kids where it might be you know people will say don't move them out of the crib like the day before the baby's coming home because then they'll you know, really think it's the baby's fault. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's you know, the exact same thing. ahead is actually really good for both both situations, I think. Yeah, no, it really, it really is very similar because, you know, I always say that if you're planning on having any changes in your routine or your environment or your lifestyle at all, that you should do it, you know, several weeks, if not months in advance, if possible, so that your dog creates, you know, a, a positive association with those things in mm -hmm. advance, as opposed to uh, associating those negative changes with the new child that's entered the house. Yeah, exactly. So at what stage in a pregnancy do you normally start working with a family? Um, that is a funny one because um, often, actually this year, last year and this year, this year is a bit different now. We're doing a lot of virtual stuff, but 
last year was my year of the return customer. <laughs> so I'd had my, my main, uh, like I've been a dealer for 20 years, but um, my business, I started my own business about, you know, eight or nine years ago, Nutmeg actually. Oh yeah. Named after Megan, my second Nutmeg. My oldest uh, is Hazel and my husband's company is called Hazel Nut. So we had to try to do a Hazel Nut Nutmeg. <laughs> So now you have to now you have to launch a third business for our, your son. Yeah, our, well, he he gets nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I donated a cake once. I make fancy cakes, and I donated it and called it Collins Cakes. <laughs> well, there you go. Always getting. Sorry. So you know, I started this business, and then I really kind of, uh, I guess, took off and actually grew a team. It used to just be me, and then about five years ago, five and a half, when he was, you know, one and a half to two. Uh, that's when I started joining, uh, adding team members. So I had seven at first, and then we jumped to like 18 quite quickly. Um, doula, birth doulas and postpartum doulas. But it it's such a, it's funny because last year, so many of my clients were having their second baby. And so I literally got the, I just peed on the stick. I am pregnant. Don't tell anybody, but will you be my doula? <laughs> and so, because, you know, they had had found it helpful the time before and they didn't want to risk that someone else would book the spots so that was very lovely to get a bunch of those in a few months in a row last year it was kind of a lovely little daily I would open up an email and like oh she's pregnant again that's so nice <laughs> I booked I'm booked like for six months out of the year how far how far ahead am I counting here it's eight or nine months so that's less common uh, that people are booking you know in the first or second month of pregnancy Usually I would say, I don't know, anytime between kind of three, four months to six months, people start to really think about it and start to realize this is for real. <laughs> I'm going to have to give birth. Right. You know, they start freaking out a little bit. They start really thinking about how does this actually work? Who do I need there? Who can help me? What do I need to know? So that's, I think that's a big motivating factor. And they may have had a friend who had a doula. It's kind of, you know, more commonplace. I mean, 20 years ago, people thought it was like the wackiest thing. Like, does this mean you have to birth in a stream with flower petals, whatever, you know, very Yeah. And now people really realize, like, I support every single kind of birth. Actually, I made a kind of decision about a year ago that I may uh, let my team do the a late, you know, the vaginal birth, the unmedicated birth, the kind of regular old birth. And I love doing cesarean birth. It's my, I don't know, because people really need more support. And if it's a scheduled cesarean, people don't realize they can have a doula for that. Um, so yeah, well, that that seems to be one of the biggest misconceptions yeah. that, that I've heard is that doulas, as you said, are kind of this like natural version of birthday. And then it's like you either have to work with a doctor or a doula. Yeah, yeah. Work I, not, I would say eighty percent of our clients have an obstetrician, and so they want that kind of I don't know, not personal touch, but they want. The, the other side, they want to have a doula with their OB. Like that's our most common um, situation, actually, for my well, that, that makes sense to me because, yeah. you know, often doctors have so many patients. They yeah. don't have the best bedside manner in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. They don't 
form intimate relationships with their patients. Yeah. So it's and it's nice to you know it's nice to be able to find that relationship. The best of both. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, people don't realize like obstetricians are actually surgeons, so they are trained to take care of high risk people and find issues and solve them. Um, I had a lovely cesarean birth with my third child. And so I am very happy that someone knew how to remove him from my body safely. Yeah, I don't actually know who it was, but um, my own doctor, I had family practice doctors. So people don't know that there are, you know, family practice doctors still do deliver babies. Not as often. It's harder to find, um, but often linked with a hospital. You can have a family practice that still does deliveries and they're more, I'd say they're kind of halfway between mid- midwives and, and OBs. They're like low risk, regular, regular old people just having a baby and they, it can be nice, but we, yeah, doulas can be with any, any provider. Um, and it's more, I guess now it's seen more as like, it's a profession. It's a real job that people don't have, or even they don't want a family member. Maybe they do have a family member that's willing to come to their birth, but they don't really want that. They don't want the stress of having to deal with their mother-in-law who might start crying or their mom even or whatever so having this person whose job it is to only care about you to only you know listen to you when you're worried and listen to what you're wanting and to try to support you to have this experience we don't make guarantees like we can't you know I, I wish I could guarantee you a whatever kind of birth you want but our job is to kind of make support you and make you feel okay with whatever is happening the best right you know like your your job is to provide knowledge and expertise but also to be like an advocate for your client yeah to help and we always say like help the client to advocate for themselves so you know sometimes I'll just say oh remember you mentioned you were interested in this this might be a good time to ask about that like I can't speak for my client I don't do that um but I can sure kind of remind them of the things that they wanted <laughs> so it's, it's, it's this person who you don't have to, I don't know, worry about who's there for you. Well, I guess it's, you know, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it kind of sounds like, you know, if you're struggling with something, uh, you know, from a mental health perspective that you would want to get the expertise of it, like a non-biased person, like a therapist, as opposed to going to your mother-in-law to talk yeah. about <laughs> personal issues that you're having. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to have that you know, it's hard for people to support a loved one in labor because there can be pain and it can be scary and then their emotions are wrapped up in that and it's it's harder for them to be, yeah, unbiased and just kind of calm. And we've seen it all. I've seen it all, I think. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'd love to, I'd love to yeah. take you day and hear some of those stories. Yes. Uh, I, so what I'm also interested in, though, is, you know, as you you were just describing that doulas by nature build very personal and intimate relationships with their clients. Like, you know, you're discussing matters that are typically very private and are part of major decisions mm-hmm. regarding birth plans and labor and, and so many other things. Do you find it difficult to kind of navigate that balance between remaining professional while also being treated like a close friend? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder, I'm sure it's different for every doula. I think Um, it's interesting because I have a medical background. I think that is what some clients gravitate to. I think I might get, you know, I would say I would get different people interested in my services compared to some other doulas who maybe are more crunchy, I would say. And I think that's great. Like everyone should find their, the person 
Um, but some of our clients, I was about to say, some of our clients, we've had people call on a Sunday and say, I'm going into labor on, you know, I'm being induced on Tuesday. Do you have a doula? <laughs> like, yep, we <laughs> make that happen because they don't even, some clients don't necessarily want to be my friend, which is fine. I'm nice, but they, they just trust. They just feel like this person, I've hired this person to be there for me and they will give me their knowledge and expertise and it doesn't have to be kind of cozy, smuggly. I don't know how to explain that, but no, I understand. You know, and I think as a nurse, that was I did. You know, I was a nurse for ten years before um, I really started. You know, I did a birth kind of every I don't know one or two a year for many years, and all my friends' births, and you know, but not really um, busy until about ten years ago. So I don't know. I think because of that, we know how to have a client relationship and and to be personal, but not, I don't know. Yeah. It's whatever the comfort is of the other person. I think you can tell when sometimes I get, you know, an email every month, once a month, I'll get a little update and that's it. They don't really want to chitty chat. <laughs> and then some other people just need a, a text here and there just to stay connected. So. Yeah. Well, I guess a lot of your job is just being able to intuit what your client needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you can usually tell. Yeah. I mean, the- like my partner and I are both, you know, pretty friendly and social. And I was, you know, in the hospital, I had an unexpected cesarean. It was a whole thing. I was induced. I was in the hospital for several days and our nurse ended up becoming our best friend. Oh my gosh. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, Like we, you know, added each other on social media afterwards. (laughs) We still keep in touch, like, you know, and she was fantastic, but that's because, you know, that that's what we needed because we wanted to make the experience as, you know, fun and light as possible, Mm -hmm. considering how traumatic it felt. You know what I mean? So we kind of needed to balance it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, and sometimes you're just drawn to people too. And it's like, okay, that the nursing relationship's over. So now we can be friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I've I've had a number of doulas recommend my services before because they, you know, go into the home for the first visit with the family and then they recognize right away that the dog's behavior might be problematic with the baby around. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have like a, a, obviously not a dog trainer necessarily, but a roster of professionals in various industries that you refer clients to after meeting them in order to ensure that they're prepared for the baby to come home? All day long. Yes. <laughs> I have in the last week alone, I've been asked for, do you know a sex therapist? Do you know of a, you know, public floor physiotherapist? Do you know of a, you know, that, right. that's, and you just can't help it when, I mean, I think a big part of my business now is referrals. I mean, I, someone from Ghana is coming soon and their friend in Vancouver heard about me and someone in Toronto was, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool when you, are getting referrals from people you don't even know, but they've heard from someone else. So you start to get the same thing, even from clients. I'll have clients recommend someone and say, Oh, I had this person. It was amazing doing whatever. And so I'll, you know, I'll keep that in the back of my head in case another client ever needs that service because it's, it does, it's like a community. You need to have a community of people around you and professionals who do different things and everyone has different needs. So yeah, it's, it's nice to know who to send people to <laughs> yeah it's hard right. enough when you have a new baby to like research what is a craniosacral therapist <laughs> who how would I know how to pick one and who to trust and if I know I've had you know 15 clients go to this person 
they're great, then they don't have to worry. They just trust that. Yeah. There's well, there's nothing better in you know any Anything. stage. <laughs> And to have like one person that you just trust explicitly yeah. that you can ask one question to and get an answer that you know is reliable. Yeah, exactly. Or that, you know, you trust enough to say, oh, they said they didn't know. And so they said, talk to this person. I really respect that when someone says, I actually don't know. Because I mean, a lot of our doulas, I, so as a lactation consultant, it's, I, I always am diff- in a different scope of practice, <laughs> depending on what I'm doing. But, you know, a lot of our doulas uh, on my team, you know, they know what the kind of basic, say for breastfeeding, they know the basics. They can help people, but then they know, like, oh, this is where I need to refer out. So luckily, they tend to refer to me. <laughs> but same thing, you know, I know when when I don't do something, I know who to send them to. So, yeah. So when you, when you first start working with a client, like, I know you said that it's different, you know, obviously with different families and different individuals, mm-hmm. that some of them require a lot more hand-holding and support, and some just, you know, as you said, like check in once a month. On the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but do you, are you just, is your role in, in those early stages prior to, to the birth or prior to the labor, is your role to be there for people when they have questions or do you have, you know, specific homework to do in advance or like thought experiments to go through or like, do you give suggestions in terms of, you know, any sort of like, exercise or eating or therapy or anything to do in advance yeah so um I mean during a pregnancy and that's why I often say like the earlier you do sign up with a doula the better because then you get them (laughs) you get their support throughout your pregnancy and you know for some people it might not be much but when I when we have a new client that we sign on to the team then I actually send I kind of had this curated list of links and videos people tend to like that more than books nowadays um you know, of things that over the years I found to be helpful for people just to read up on if they have any interest. And it almost is like a little primer, like, hey, take a look at these things. If you're interested, then let me know what what you want to know more about. Right. Because some people don't want any more about anything. <laughs> and they're like, that's great. Thanks. And some people are like, I'm really interested, like you said, in nutrition. So we actually have a nutritionist who I refer to who's on our team. And so, you know, I would send them to them or whatever it is, but we, I actually have online courses as well that we developed because I wish that more people did do more ahead of time. Um, You know, just because we don't, like you said, we don't grow up. My little saying is we don't grow up in a village of topless women sitting around the fire, watching breastfeeding or watching baby, you know, newborn baby care. So it's really foreign to most people. They don't know how to do it and you need to learn it. And I think learning before the baby's born is the best possible time. Um, But, you know, some people will just eat up all those links and, you know, in one week I'll get another email and say, okay, give me more. And then others, you know, two weeks before their birth, they'll say, oh, right. Did you send me something? Could you maybe send that again? I never actually took it. They're just not mentally prepared yet or even they just, you know, they are still working or whatever it is. So I, I think it's, again, it's everyone's different, but I like to offer kind of that, that primer to see what everyone's um, need is. We do obviously, a, usually a birth doula would do a prenatal session, at least one where, and ours is usually about a month before uh, the expected date. We don't know, of course, when it's going to happen, but just to chat about, you know, what do you think about birth? What do you want? Do you have any real, you know, 
wishes. Some people don't really have much. They're just like, I just want to get through it. Whereas some people really do want, you know, I want an unmedicated birth. I want as few interventions as possible. I would really like music. I would really like, you know, whatever they have wish. We call it birth wishes, actually, not birth plan. Um, we'll go through that and talk about how to how to best get there. But some people will want to do multiple prenatal sessions. So we'll actually, even once a month, we'll do a scheduled, you know, education session. Like I do a lot of um, virtual right now. I'm doing everything virtual, virtual breastfeeding prep or virtual um, just talking more about actual almost like a childbirth education class. Like I used to teach childbirth education. So I still do, but usually just privately. So, you know, what is labor? What are the stages of labor? What to expect in all these different stages? So again, everyone's different if they want one-on-one coaching kind of through all the different months of pregnancy, or if it's just kind of more casual as the doula, as the doula client, they can, you know, send an email, ask a question whenever they need. Yeah. So it's, it's really, you have have all the information available. It's just a matter of how, how much, you know, how deep your clients want to dive. What they want. And I mean, it may be again, second, second baby. So they just want a little, I do refreshers as well. Like I don't really want to know all the stages of labor. I just need a little reminder. Like what do I expect in the first few days with this baby? I don't really remember what I did last time. (laughs) And actually that's, I think the courses, sometimes people will just do, there are, we made online courses, so it's video and they watch it ahead of time, but then they, you keep it. So then they can watch it again after the baby's born. You know, they don't need like a big two hour one-on-one session. They just need a quick, like, Ah, yes. A reminder. That's how you hold the baby and that's how you do it. So. Okay. So there's something I like to do with all my guests on this podcast. Uh, If you will entertain me, I would like to read you an email from one of my clients regarding their dog. And I'd love you to respond to the inquiry as if it was one of your clients raising a concern about their child. Okay. Okay. So, hi, Ashley. Thanks so much for coming to the house to assess our family and put together a plan of action. We are really nervous, not just about how Charlie is going to react once the baby is brought home, but during the actual labor period. He doesn't spend a lot of time away from us, has some mild separation anxiety, and will be staying at a new place he's never been to before while we're at the hospital. Also, what if I go into labor early or have complications and have to be away for longer than expected? Will all that stress and anxiety end up impacting how he perceives the baby? Will he create a negative association with the baby because he'll connect us abandoning him with the new person living in our house? Any advice you have would be great. Thanks. So let's say you have a new client that has a two-year-old already and their two-year-old has never been in daycare or had any other caregivers and they spent all their time with their parents 24-7 and you know, he's never slept out, never been to grandparents or family friends. He's not accustomed to being anywhere other than getting 100% attention from his parents. So what would you recommend if a family that contacted you for doula services that were pregnant with their second child, 
what would you recommend to them when they were asking for advice on what they could do in advance to ensure that their firstborn doesn't associate the new baby with having been left at someone's house or having yeah, their own teeth? The trauma of that. Yeah. And it's funny because while you were reading it, I was thinking dog, but then I was thinking every single thing I'm about to say is what I would say to one of my clients. This happens all the time yeah. with a second child who is is worried about that exact thing. So I mean, I think it's probably very similar. It usually, just like anything, it's usually if we can practice ahead of time, it will be less stressful on the day of. Obviously, we don't know when it's going to happen, but I would usually recommend giving the child and the caregiver, whoever is going to be taking care of the, the sibling, a chance to practice. So just like when people go to daycare, they'll often do a trial period or like a shorter day or whatever. So at first, it may just be you know, whoever's going to have, say it's grandma, let's go to grandma's house every day for, you know, an hour even just to play there with her if they've never really been there. Um, and then slowly kind of try, do a trial where you leave for an hour or two and she's, you know, hopefully being really fun and <laughs> getting them used to it. And then you might progress to, okay, I'm going to put him down for a nap there. So he gets to try that, but you still being there. And then again, if you can, if you have time to practice with grandma doing it, I mean, sometimes it's not possible. So I do, kids tend to be, it depends on the age with a kid. You can at least talk to them. I mean, not that you can't talk to dogs, but I don't know if they understand it quite the same. They don't speak English. I was going to say they, they, they can probably understand, but maybe not the same, but you know, say, Oh, when the baby comes, I, and I mean, that's exactly what I did with each of my kids. I would, for weeks and weeks, you think, what if it's tonight? What if it's tonight? <laughs> so I would say, one day you might wake up and I won't be here. Remember, Nana will be here and I'll, you know, be able to call you. And that means I'm having the baby and just trying to prepare them, talk, letting them kind of work with those feelings like, oh, that's going to happen. Okay. And they get to kind of get used to that discussion. It's not like sprung on them. Um, and I mean, I wrote notes in the middle of the night, like, okay, I went to have a baby. <laughs> and I've heard of people with gifts, like they leave some special thing. And they say, the day when I have to go have the baby, you're going to get that present, remember. So it just softens the blow maybe a little bit. But I think just like with anything with a with a child, it's as much as you can talk about it ahead of time, give them a chance to practice and know that if they're with someone who loves them and cares for them, that they're going to do their best to keep them feeling okay. And of course we, nowadays we can call and FaceTime and everything. <laughs> so that, that can make it much easier, but it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Planning ahead is good. <laughs> yeah. Well that, I think that's the, the key message is, you know, from a, from a dog prep perspective, yeah. like I always tell families that they should have like a labor plan for their dogs yeah. as as that sounds this because at this time of day that well and that's what people do with a sibling absolutely like if it's right, like where will, where will they go when you're in the hospital what if you go into surprise labor at two o'clock yeah. in the morning and you need to run out of the house unexpectedly yeah. like, the person that's going to take care of them like have a key can you access them quickly like yeah. you know if there's complications can they stay in that location for an indefinite amount of time yeah exactly what are your plans? i mean i think people really do that they have the seven options it, it's so much more complicated when it's not your first baby it really is interesting when it's the second like every possible thing to think through is really helpful because it makes it less stressful when it when any of those happen <laughs> for you yeah. and for your child or dog so 
Well, it's it's just like you were saying that, you know, you wouldn't want to get rid of the crib on like within the same 48 hours yeah. that you bring a new baby home. You also wouldn't want to have your kids start at a new daycare the day that you bring a new baby home either, no, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing for a dog that, you know, many people think in advance, well, as soon as I have the baby home, if I don't have time to walk the dog anymore, then I'll just like send to daycare or hire a dog walker or, yeah, you know, whatever. Other yeah. So I always tell people to kind of, you know, really think about what their life is going to look like or what they'd like it to look like when that baby comes home, what they want their mat leave experience to look like. Mm-hmm. And then if if it means that you don't think you're going to be able to have the time to dedicate to those, you know, walks and hikes and training and all the things you used to do with your dog before, that's okay. But then make sure that if they're going to be going to daycare or have a dog walker, that you set that up, you know, several months in advance of your baby being born. So that's a, a routine that's already been established. And those relationships that they have with the people at daycare and the dog walkers already exist in advance of the baby coming home. Yeah, so exactly. the baby isn't the trigger for change. Yeah, I think that's the exact same. <laughs> the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, the little things like you don't want to change the rules in your house. You don't want to, you know, change the boundaries or like access to different spaces or any of those things in direct association with a new baby mm-hmm. coming home either. And I think that's true for I mean, older children. Things will change no matter what you do. So limiting, at least we're trying to keep it as similar as possible. Or we try to do these, these changes ahead of time. So it's not like jarring. Because no matter what, there will be something changed. So at least this limits it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much again for joining me. If if people are interested in finding you, where, where, where are you at? Where am I? So my company is called Nutmeg Consulting and website, websiteconsulting.ca. I also have what's called, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> um, what's called the Birth Babies and Breastfeeding Virtual Academy. Um, and that's our online courses. And we have breastfeeding prep and baby care um, and pumping and building a breast milk stash and going back to work and all these different options. Um, and that you can get through the same. You can find it through Nutmeg Consulting as well or academy.birthbabiesbreastfeeding.com. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you so very much. And I'll include the those links in the show notes as well. Thanks. Okay, perfect. Have a good day. Thank you again. Bye. Thanks for listening. Are you looking to add a dog to your family? For a limited time only, listeners of Baby Puppy will receive 10% off our unique mutt-making package. Let us help you find the right breed, energy level, and temperament for your household based on your experience, expectations, routine, and personality. We always say there's no such thing as the perfect dog, but there is definitely a perfect dog for you. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, child or dog related, email info at meetyourmutt.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at meetyourmutt or visit the website at www.meetyourmutt.com. Remember, this podcast is just a baby or puppy. And as they say, it takes a village. So please rate and review. Happy parenting. Baby Puppy is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Ashley Balin, production assistance by Koji Nagata, and theme song by Pink Distortion Music. Thank you.